0: I'm excited you're here today, but man, we're going to have a great time today. You guys ready to have a good time today? Yay! Pastor Brian, it's so good to see you. Welcome back to America. We love you. It's great to see you. Hey, uh, I, I know I don't want to talk about it, but Boise State did lose last night to UCLA. I was at the game, and uh, I was pulling for Boise State. I got to confess, USC is my California team. Yeah, UCLA, is that what I said? Oh, man, I was way off. USC is my California team. And UCLA, I'm just bitter about them right now, okay? Um, but apparently, there's not a lot of football fans in the tents today. <laughs> it's probably why you're at church this morning. Okay, cool. Um, well, hey, I'm excited you're here. Got family and friends in town. My sister in law, brother in law are here. And just want to welcome all of our family, all of our friends. Excited, man. Again, this is my uh, first time preaching in my 40s. So we'll see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. I've heard that you're not supposed to worry about getting older, that you're still gonna do dumb stuff. You're just gonna do it slower. And so um, I might still do dumb stuff up here. I'll just do a little bit slower, probably. Um, But man, I'm so excited. Uh, God has been so kind to me, and just really uh, thankful where where we're at. My family's at. I'm gonna show a little highlight video. My girls, uh, my daughters spoke at my birthday night, and. uh, I'm not a big uh, crier, emotional type of person. I cry in the presence of God or if it's like level 12 on a scale to 1 to 10 pain. That's about it. I don't cry very much. And my, my daughters, I'm just so proud of my girls and thankful for where we're at right now. I don't know about you, but I have so much expectation that God isn't done. I can feel it. I can, I can feel this wave of expectation that I think 2024 is gonna be exceptional. Listen, I didn't prophesy 2020 clear vision like the rest of the false prophets out there. Those guys totally missed it. 2020 was the year of Armageddon and despair. But I have high hopes for 2024. Who believes that God can do something great in 2024? I'm excited to share what God's been speaking to me about next year, beginning of January. Got whole idea for the whole whole year, really fired up about it. Uh, but I wanted just to start off this morning, um, you know, I was praying last night as I try to do every week. It's a part of my job, amen? This guy better be praying. <laughs> paying you, buddy. Um, but uh, was paying last, I was praying, I was praying. <laughs> it's like, Lord, please, just show up tomorrow. Um... um I feel funnier in my 40s. I, uh, I'm excited. I, I was praying, though, and I, I felt like there was people here today um, that you've been dealing with chronic anger. And it's connected, actually, to, to wounds from your past that God wants to heal today. And I actually heard him. I've never heard him say this before. He said, Mark, there's people that will be there that have chronic anger. And uh, you're going to be healed today. And it's going to be so awesome how God can heal. Um, And he said this, that some of you, you've been living because of the anger, resentment, unforgiveness. You've lived in fight or flight mode. And it's affected your heart rate, your blood pressure, and your immune system. And um, he said that today, he was going to actually cause you to be able to forgive people that hurt you. And that's what I heard him say. As you forgive the ones that hurt you... He'll, he'll heal the pain yeah. that those individuals caused you. Yeah. And I was I was praying, and he told me to tell you in the beginning of the message why you should pay attention is that today's message could improve your cholesterol, yeah. affect your sleep, reduce your pain, lower your anxiety or depression, yeah. and actually lift, lift stress off your shoulders. Yeah. And that's actually from... Uh, The prophet John Hopkins, because that was what the medical survey actually indicates about people that struggle with unforgiveness. Um, I know it's holiday season, and uh, we've been in a series talking about master dreams, the master dreamer, and we serve a God that gives dreams to his kids, and I suspect that maybe one of the chief reasons why we don't step into our God-given destinies or why we fall out of them is somewhere along the way, this thread, which what I'm going to teach on today is very simple to understand, very difficult, difficult to live out. Yeah. It's kind of like money, you know, don't spend more than you make. Yeah. Easy, difficult. Yeah. Easy, yeah. difficult. You're like, I understand this thing. Save, give, tithe, you know, and, and don't spend more, but it's still challenging. And what I'm going to talk about today, I actually believe has the power to heal family units. Yeah. You know, one of the greatest desires of God is that he would restore our relationship with him and in doing so, restore our relationship with our families. He wants to return the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children. Are you hearing me today? The children to the fathers. I want you to know I believe that one of the reasons why America and the world is under attack right now and the nuclear family is under attack is because society will only ever be as strong as its families. And if the devil can pervert family, distort family, or redefine family, you can destroy what was made in the image of God. And when you can destroy what was made in God's image, you can destroy what God creates when things are done in his likeness. So I felt like, I know it's holiday season, many of you are going to spend time with family this week, and for some of you it's going to feel like a reverse hostage negotiation. Like, what's your favorite Christmas lights? My in-laws' tail lights as they're leaving my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Okay, that's just it's a joke, man. I love, I love my in-laws. I do. Um, but I was thinking about many people. Holiday season is awkward. The family dynamics. There's frenemies that you spend holiday time with. There's broken relationships. Awkward relationships. There's post-trauma relationships. And uh, unlike maybe any other time of the year, some of you get excited, some of you get very sad or heavy because of these dynamics that we embrace and we interact with. And I just, again, I I felt like today what I'm going to share with you is actually going to be critical to actually changing the atmosphere of your home. Y'all ready to go today? I want to read, maybe in my opinion, one of the coolest stories in the entire Old Testament about the power of God restoring a family. You guys ready? And I have hope today that if God could restore this family, he can restore any family. There is not one family outside of the redemptive power of God's love. Genesis chapter 50 this morning, and I want to talk about this today because I believe your dream, your purpose in life is actually going to be connected to how well you are able to overcome offense. I think personal offense is robbing people of their God-given dreams, maybe more than anything. And here's a two little, if I could just spoiler alert before I get into my message deeply today. I believe the duration of time it takes you to forgive and how fast you recover after you're wounded determines your spiritual maturity. Are you hearing me today? We didn't have a lot of money growing up, but one of my favorite toys my mom bought me as a kid, is she, and she bought me this inflatable egg that looked like a clown. I don't even remember these things. They had weight on the bottom of them. They were just air on the top. And you could hit it, and it would go all the way down, but just flies back up. Who remembers that? Anybody Anybody old enough to know what I'm talking about? And I just had this picture as I was praying for you. That god would make some of you like these like these old 80s balloons. Yeah. That when life hits you're up before they realized they hurt you. And by the way, the fastest way to annoy your enemies is to forgive them. <laughs> That's good motivation right there for somebody. All right. Genesis chapter 50 Let's read about a redemptive story here about Joseph. If you don't know the story, Joseph, not talking about Jesus' uh, earthly father. We're talking about the one in the Old Testament who was the 10th the, the out of 12, uh, or number, yeah, number 11 out of 12 boys. And uh, he was the son, uh, great-grandson of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob's son and his favorite son. And we know the story is he was favored by his dad, so his siblings hated him. They threw him in a pit, threatened to kill him, ended up going, you know what would be better than killing our brother? Selling him into slavery. So they sold him to a slave convoy that took him to Egypt. He would work for the general of the military of the most powerful nation in the world by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife goes, this guy is good looking like Mark Francie. Come on, somebody. Got to preach up here today in my 40s. And this, this the Bible says that she cast longing eyes on him, flirted with him, and tried to, to, to make a pass at him. The Bible also goes on to say that Joseph didn't give in to the temptation. He left his wardrobe in her hands, ran out the doors, was falsely accused, falsely incriminated, falsely prosecuted for rape sentenced to life in prison he's in a king's dungeon, political prison and we know that after interpreting two dreams, after two more years he stands before the most powerful man in the world, interprets the king's dream, gives the king a strategy and gets promoted from a prisoner to a a prime minister one day church remember with God everything can change in one day and the story goes that after, after about seven years, he's about 39 years old at this point, And the famine's been going on for two years. And it says that his brothers, they came to him because they were starving to death. And after a sequence of events, he reveals himself to his brothers. They didn't recognize him because Jews were clean shaving. Or Jews had beards and the Egyptians were clean shaved. And they hadn't seen Joseph since he was 17. Joseph's now in his mid-30s. And he actually reveals himself to his brothers. He says, I forgive you guys. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. He wept on their necks. He forgave. But what happened was, after a few more years, their father dies. After 17 years of restoration, dad dies. And now they think the only reason why we're still alive is because our dad was our mediator. And here's what I've learned is people will suspect you of actions that they themselves would do to you. So because they thought when dad dies, if it was me, now I would kill my brothers and get even. They projected that insecurity onto Joseph. And that's where we pick up reading today. Are you guys ready to go? Genesis 50 verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph now will hate us. He may actually repay us for all the evil. Say it with me, evil. Make no mistake about it. They did evil. They they betrayed at the highest level possible, conceivable, being willing to kill your own flesh and blood, which we did to him. It says so. They sent mes- They sent messengers. Someone say it with me, messengers. This story, honestly, I read it. I get angry just reading this story. They didn't have the. They had the audacity. Not even a. If they're going to fabricate a manipulative lie, at least do it yourself. They didn't have the backbone to, to lie to their brother's face themselves. So they sent messengers to Joseph. And they fabricate this great manipulative lie. They go, uh, Hey, tell, tell our brother that before dad died, he commanded. He commanded. Didn't ask. Tell him that dad commanded. And when you say that, tell him that this is what God, this, me, this is what dad commanded. He said, Send him there. And say this to Joseph, I beg you, basically as dad's final dying wish, forgive the trespasses of your brothers and and their, say me their sin. sin. For they, someone say they. They. These knuckleheads never took ownership of their sins. We have sinned against you. But it wasn't that. It was through their father. They did evil to you. Now, please forgive. Say with me, forgive. Forgive. This is very important. I've preached on forgiveness many times in my life, but I've never dug this deep. And here's what I want you to know. This is the very first time in all of Scripture the idea of forgiveness is introduced. It's the first appearance. Genesis chapter 50. He says, forgive the trespass of, this, this is interesting, the servant of the God of your father. It was almost as though they were fabricating this this note that was masterfully manipulative, uh, crafted, that they go, let's put God, let's put dad in there. Let's put dad's dying wishes in there. Let's put commanded in there, and let's find a way to put God in this thing. God of your father. And it says... Uh, excuse, forgive their trespasses and um, the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. So this what it says. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also, after this note was received, they came in. They they bowed down their face before the ground, and they they this is what they said. They said, Behold, we are your say it with me servants. It's very important. Say it one more time, servants. It's a big idea today. I've never seen this before. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? Joseph understood something about revenge. He understood understood something about vindication. He understood something about wrath that most human beings never learn in 80 or 90 years of life. That we are poor judges, but God is a great judge. He said, am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about as it is to this day, to save, to what? I talked about last week, God allows us to go through famines to solve famines, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them, and he spoke kindly. He spoke kindly to them. It's crazy. People that betrayed you with treachery at the highest level, he was able to comfort, and He's able to speak kindly to. Wow. Oh wish God would have cut this part out of the Bible. But it's in there, so we're going to preach it. You guys ready to go? Let's pray today. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in the house of God today. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that 2024 is going to be an outrageously amazing year. We believe that we're going to step into our God-given destinies. God, for some, it's going to be the first time. For others, it's going to be restorative. For others, it's going to be a year of comeback and redemption. But we believe in in any case that you're better at restoring than we are at screwing things up. That you're actually better at, at, at putting our life back together than our enemies are at tearing it down. God, today you're a sovereign God. You bend all things to our advantage. You cause what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it around for good. In Jesus' name, we love you and we honor you and the dreams that you've given us. In Jesus' name, everybody said good old-fashioned. Amen. I want to talk to you today about this uh, title. I I wrote this down for you today. I want you to write this title down. Uh, I I wrote this, uh, Family Still. Family Still. Or maybe the better way of saying it is still family. Still family. And if you want to take a little secondary title, pardon me. Pardon me. I don't know if you've ever heard someone, my grandma used to say this all the time, pardon me. Now that I'm 40, I understand why she said it all the time because I feel like I'm losing my hearing. Yeah. I didn't realize that one of the job descriptions of aging was to become a master lip reader. Yeah. feel like Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. I'm like, yeah. I think he's saying something about asking me something. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't hear you. I don't say pardon me. He's like, can you say that again? I used to always have loud stereos in my car, so my hearing's not very good. And uh, I'm like, man, I, I understand why. My grandma, she started losing her hearing, and she'd always say, "Pardon me, pardon me, pardon me." And we were in uh, UK over Thanksgiving, and I heard many people say, "Pardon, pardon me, pardon me." And it's like uh, in UK saying "Pardon me" is like being in Canada, when they're like, "Sorry, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry." <laughs> My Canadian friends come on, say, "Sorry," just apologize. They like you bump into them, they're like, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> guess are too polite, man. Um, Interesting though, pardon me. To pardon means to actually, uh, to, to, to say sorry to somebody. Yeah. Hey, if I behave rudely, if I miss the mark, if I did something that kind of hurt you, upset you, pardon me. It's a polite way, it's a proper way of saying my bad. But I actually think that maybe one of the most important things that we do before God entrusts us with power, before God reinstates power, before God knows that we're trustworthy to steward power, is he wants to know how would you treat your enemies if you are responsible for their well-being. And for some of you, the reason why you haven't stepped into power, the reason why you're not in power, the reason why you lost power, is because there's something in the heart of God that wants to know that can you pass this, this life test of being able to pardon people that wronged you? can you and here's the reality that everyone's sucking oxygen in this room is that everybody's been hurt by somebody Jesus hand selected 12 only 12 I mean you would think that God if he's only picking 12 people like come on statistically mathematically they gotta mean 12 people if you're only picking 12 maybe all 12 would turn out awesome you're God I mean, you think, like, if you're picking out of everyone in the ancient world, I'm going to, and it says that he prayed 12 hours to pick 12 disciples. He prayed all night. Scholars say all night means 12 hours. So literally, Jesus spent one hour to pick one, one apostle. He prayed an hour for each one that he chose. And after choosing perfectly, one out of 12 was the devil. Which is good news if you're a pastor, because I've had people leaving. I'm like, man, maybe I'm a bad pastor, and Jesus is reminding me, no, I've handpicked everybody, and even I got betrayed. Betrayal is not a fruit of poor leadership. I feel like preaching today. This is not an evidence. Oh, you must have done something wrong. Jesus did everything right, and he still got betrayed, still got stabbed in the back. This is a humanity issue. This is not an absence of not being in a good place. It's the evidence of being in a fallen world. That's what that is. And Joseph gets betrayed at the highest level ever imagined. Imagine your own siblings going, let's kill him. You know what's better than killing him? 30 pieces of silver. The same amount of money that Judas was offered. It was the price of a slave. And so they get the price of a slave for their little brother Joseph. And Joseph goes into, he goes into 17 years or 13 years of crazy bondage. 13 years of crazy bondage. And then God begins to promote him. God begins to elevate him. And after a couple of years, he gets re-engaged with his family. And I feel prophetically, some of you, your natural family, for some of you, spiritual family, that the next 12 months is going to be a season of God re-engaging relationships that were fractured, that were damaged, that were burnt down. I want you to know that God can rebuild bridges that have fallen down. Are you hearing me today? I've seen earthquakes. There was an ancient earthquake in California in the early 1900s that brought down buildings. But you know what's there today? Buildings. Because whatever the earthquake brought down, humanity was able to build back up. And I want you to know that with God, whatever whatever life has shaken down, I feel like preaching up here today, God can build it back. I'm telling you today, there's things that I know for certain that God wants to do. But unforgiveness is one of those areas of life that's very difficult. And here's what I've learned about unforgiveness is unforgiveness will make you live looking for vindication. If you don't choose to do what God tells us to do, you will live your whole life searching for vindication. What does that mean? It means this, that you will live your life to prove something instead of living for someone. And I know a lot of people that are living their life to prove something. Rather than living to, to love someone. And some of you are looking for affirmation from family members that aren't even alive anymore. You're trying to prove a teacher wrong that spoke death over you. You're trying to rewrite your future because your dad said you never amount to anything. And there are some people that I know live out of the suitcase of bitterness and unforgiveness. And what's crazy is even medical non-Christian scientists will tell you that if you choose to unforgive, it'll affect your, your likelihood for heart attacks go up by 60%. When you live with unforgiveness, could it be the God of anatomy said, you know what, there's something about your spiritual heart that's connected to your natural heart. I don't want clogged arteries naturally, and I don't want spiritually clogged arteries. And I just felt like today, I just felt the heart of God going, I am going to actually surgically, like a cardiologist, I'm going to come in today and I'm going to pull out the heart that's clogged some of you, it's clogged rightfully. Because here's what I learned about unforgiveness. You don't have to forgive people that are wrong. Or excuse me, that are, how would I say that? (laughs) I'm 40 and I tell you, I'm kind of losing my memory. That's what God told me. I I prayed one time, I got wounded by someone. I said, God, I'm not going to apologize. They're wrong. And he said, of course they are. You don't have to forgive people that are right. You don't have to forgive people that are right. I'm going to say it until you catch it today. You don't have to forgive people that are right. You have to choose to forgive people that are actually wrong. They wronged me. They hurt me. They lied. They stole. They cheated. I have learned that you don't have to forgive people that are right. You got to forgive people that are wrong. And most people don't realize that. And here's what's interesting about the first appearance of the word forgiveness. In the Hebrew language, it's nasa. It literally means this. It means to absolve or fully release. To absolve or fully release. Here's the most frequent way that it's translated, though. It literally means the majority of the time, it's translated to bear up or lift up. To bear up. Are to lift up. That was the very first appearance of the word forgiveness. What's interesting is that Jesus did this for us. He bore our sins. He lifted our sins off of us. Are you hearing me today? When he forgave us our sins, he took the burden of the sin off of us and he put it on himself. That's what Isaiah 53 says. This is what forgiveness means. It means to take the burden off someone completely and totally. That's what it means to forgive, to completely and totally take the burden off of somebody. It doesn't mean partial lifting, partial helping to carry. It means to lift off entirely. And I'm telling you, man, I read Genesis 15, it fires me up for, for, I'm a justice guy. I want justice. I'm like, these jokers have the audacity to use their dying dad to fabricate the most manipulative note that takes no personal ownership for their evil. And you're trying to use the guise of a dead dad to make an apology that you should have made yourself. This bothers me. Like Joe, we've all experienced, Joseph experienced bitter things, and everyone here has experienced something bitter in your life. And if you haven't, you haven't lived long enough yet circumstances that are hurtful evil cruel unfair wrongs to us and here's what we know about joseph is joseph passed the pardon ability with flying colors i think the reason why he was able to elevate him higher than maybe any christian's ever been elevated in government is because he was able to forgive at a level that few christians will ever get to this is crazy They write a fabricated note saying, please forgive us, forgive, excuse me, forgive their sins. Forgive what they did to you. Please forgive their trespasses. And it says that Joseph wept when he heard this. They fell down. They brought God into the midst of their fake apology. And then they went on the record to say, hey, we'll, we'll be your servants. We'll be your servants. And I love Joseph's response because it was the same response of Jesus Christ. Here's what I've learned about fallen humanity. Fallen humanity, uh, even Christians, can fall into the camp of Joseph's brothers. They think that their sins have disqualified them from being a part of the family. You know what Luke 15 says about the prodigal son? That he did so much stupid things, he came home and he said, Dad, I'm no longer worthy to be your, make me one of your, his brothers go, "Look, Dad's dead. We you know, we, you got Dad's note, right? Yeah. But here's what we know: We're no longer worthy to be uh, your brother. Brothers, make us your servants. And here's what I know about people that are ready for God's dreams is, is they're willing to say, no, you're still families, I pardon you. You're still family. You're still, look, I know it hurt me, betrayed me. I know you tried to kill me, destroy me, but God didn't leave my life. God's hand never left my destiny. What you meant for evil, God used it for good. And the truth is, if you didn't go crazy and do what you did, I wouldn't be here today. So, in a weird way, thank you. Still, family. You want to be a servant? You're not my servant, you're my brother. Because here's the qualifications of family, is you're born into it. You're born into family. Are you hearing me? You're born into family. And some of you are like the brothers of Joseph, that you think that you've done too much to Jesus, that you can no longer be a part of his, his family as a kid. So you're saying, God, just make me one of your slaves, one of your servants. And he says, no, I already wept for you. I've already actually paid for your mistakes. I've already lifted your trespasses. I've already bore your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was on me and by my stripes. You're still family. You're still family. Come on, shout, you're still family. I wish you give him 10 seconds. If you believe that he's, he's a good God that calls us family after we've screwed up big. Still family. Come on, if you believe in give him a good hand clap in this place. Still family. I love this message. I love it because there's so many people that refuse to actually understand that your ability to forgive other people is connected to how much power God can entrust to you. God won't promote you if you will sabotage the people that once wounded you. He was willing to actually bless those that cursed him. Literally. And what I've learned about unforgiveness is that re, uh, refusing to forgive puts you in the seat of God, and we are never, we never belong there. God is the only judge. When you make yourself a judge, you leave God out of the equation. And what I've known is that we, if, if we, the Bible says in 1 John 1 9, if we, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us, right? To cleanse us. We're forgiven by God. And when we release people and forgive, uh, we release God to act in that particular situation. God is the only one that can bring about justice to a situation. Most people don't realize this, that forgiveness releases you from torment and bondage. Some of you, the unforgiveness in you will actually torment you physically. And according to medical doctors, even physically, your body will begin to shut down when you harbor rage and you, you harbor bitterness. People are doing it, though, all the time. And I'm telling you that if anyone shows us why we should be willing to forgive, Joseph does. He experiences betrayal and treachery at the highest level. One of the highest levels outside of Jesus in the Bible. But what I've learned is that unforgiveness, it will actually, if you harbor it, it will cause God's presence to lift off of your life. You want to know why I'm convinced that Joseph already forgave his family before he got to power? Because it says when he was in Potiphar's house in hell, God was with him. And God prospered all that he did. And then he got falsely accused of rape. But he gets thrown into a dungeon. And it says this, but God was and caused all that he did to prosper. Listen to me. God would not have been with him. If he was holding on to bitterness, God would not. We know that he was willing to forgive at every level along the way because multiple occasions says God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph and God would not have been with him if he was harboring hatred. Unforgiveness will make you live for vindication. And Matthew 18 tells us this crazy story. You can read on your own time. The verse 34 tells us that we refuse to forgive, the Bible says the master of the unforgiving servant delivered him over to the torturers until he should pay all that was due. I believe that when we refuse to forgive other human beings that are made in the image of God, that I believe God's hands are handcuffed and we are actually handed over to torturing. For some of you, it's nightmares, panic attacks, crazy high blood pressure, heart attacks, Strokes, what's going on? I believe many times it is connected to our ability to put justice in God's hands. We must learn, it's hard to forgive like God does. Here's what I know about forgiveness a couple things. Number one, forgiveness is about really three keys it's the ability to release. Forgiveness is going, God, these people did hurt me. They're wrong. God's like, exactly. You don't forgive people that are right, you forgive people that are wrong that wrong maybe maybe they're not wrong literally maybe they are but either way they wronged you that's who you forgive and when you release somebody here's what we know is that forgive means for give it's two words make up forgive for means in favor of give means give <laughs> this guy's deep sitting in his 40s man i'm telling you deep waters up here It means that you're in favor of giving. And what I've learned about people that hurt you is usually the people that hurt you the most, you have to forgive the most frequently. I've shared parts of my story. I try not to go too in depth. I don't want to ever dishonor my dad. But there's some people that hurt you so deeply that every time you think about them, you have to remind yourself that you forgave them. And some of you will never forgive the person until you feel it. And you'll never forgive them because you'll never feel it. You can actually forgive somebody enough verbally that the feelings will show up. But if you wait for feelings to be present, to offer forgiveness, that day might not ever show up. And we know the Bible says that we could be delivered to the torturing, to the torturers, to that torment, the vexing of the mind until we offer up that forgiveness. I love that Mother Teresa said there is no love without forgiveness and there is no forgiveness without love. Romans 12 says, Repay no one evil for evil. He says, Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him Chick-fil-A. Some Christian chicken. Come on. Give him some food. If they're thirsty, give them a drink. For in doing so, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, which actually shouldn't be called the Lord's Prayer, because he says, forgive us as we forgive them, and Jesus never sinned. So we know that the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 is actually our prayer. And he gives us a template that he says, hey, every day, give us this day our daily bread and forgive as we have forgiven. Maybe the most crucial part of the prayer is our ability to release what God has released in us to others. Even though it was wrong, we choose today to acquit those. They are no longer guilty of the things that they have done. True forgiveness does not continue to look for justice or vindication. True forgiveness releases the wrongdoer from the punishment they deserve. God forgives with no strings attached and expects us, unfortunately, to do the same. I'm like you. There's been a few times God's like, Mark, I want to deal with the people that hurt you. And I'm like, all right, here's a list take care of them but what I've learned is God doesn't take care of what wronged me when I'm pursuing actively that God would punish them the weirdest part is is when you pray for your enemies you'll start to actually empathize with them God will give you empathy for broken people that make broken decisions We release people fully. You still with me today? Yeah. Joseph did this to his brother. Now we, we either go to God, we either go, with, we, we either go to God with, into the dreams that he has for our life, or we will get consumed with bitterness the rest of our life. I want to go into the dreams that God has for me. I don't want to live in the land of bitterness the rest of my life. And again, as I mentioned in the beginning of this message, the speed of releasing offense reveals your maturity it actually reveals the faith level of health in your heart because everybody gets offended the sad part is many people leave church after church because the church hurt them and the church hurt them and they never thought to themselves maybe you hurt somebody else too people often talk about church hurt i promise you as a pastor you get hurt by more people than pastors hurt the people of church because there is hundreds of people every year that come in, and there's hundreds of people that go out. Yeah, yeah. And there's people that will judge you off of one message you say. Yeah, yeah. That pastor didn't make eye contact, me when we walked down the hallway, he hates people. He's rude. He's absorbed. He's into himself. He wears a suit at church. Who's this, who's this joker think he is? You better than me? No. It's my birthday suit. <laughs> Tough crowd. Mark Twain said, forgiveness is the fragrance that flowers shed on the heels of those that crushed them. Hardest part about giving and releasing forgiveness is, uh, is wrestling with your logical brain, but they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. That's the hardest. usually. It's like, no, i got to do this. And then you get that part, you're like, ah, but they don't deserve it. They're, they're kind of terrible. I don't want to. But I believe this, that if you will choose to release, number one, the second thing will happen is this. It, well, let me say it this way. It's hard giving and releasing forgiveness because you sometimes don't know how to give it because you've never learned how to receive it. I want you to write this down we can release a lot that people have done wrong to us when we get really good at receiving God's forgiveness personally. I don't know if you read the greatest commandment, but it's to love your neighbor as you love your... hard part is, some of you are terrible at forgiving other people, because you don't know how to forgive yourself. You think that when you do something stupid, like, I didn't have my devotional time this morning before church, so I got a flat tire on the way to church. That's right, God, I needed that. And then, like, And then something like, you get a bill in the mail that morning. You're like, okay, God, you're right. I was bad today. I I needed a bill. And we think that God is like keeping some vindictive score that God wants to get even with us when we're not good back to Him. And because you're so terrible at receiving God's grace, when people hurt you, you're terrible at giving forgiveness to them. Some of you don't know how to forgive your spouse when they hurt you. Forgive your kids when you hurt you. You know what the root of it is? You don't know how to receive God's love for you that forgives you when you hurt him. So my challenge for you is this, is get good at freely receiving God's grace to you. He wants you to receive it freely. Matthew 10 says, freely you have received. Freely you shall give. Some of you are terrible at giving forgiveness because you are not good at freely receiving it. But when you realize that everything that I've ever done was paid in full 2,000 years ago by a Jewish carpenter by the name of Jesus Christ, you realize that everything that you've done to me is nothing compared to what I did to God. I'm telling you today, if we can do this, I'll release it well when I receive it well. But what I've learned is this, you you can't release it well until you receive it well. Love your neighbor as you love your... You gotta let God love you. Last thing is believe. This is so important. When we doubt God's word, you soon to begin to question God's love. And some of you don't believe that God forgives you. Some of you don't think that God can help you forgive the people that have hurt you. And what I know about God is this, is he doesn't want you to doubt his words. Because when you doubt his words, eventually you'll start to doubt God's love. And when you give up on God's love, here's what we know. There's three things that last forever. I heard a great message years ago from Pastor Brian Houston about this. But he talked about faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these, what is it? It's love. The greatest of these is what? I'm telling you that many people don't realize that when you lose God's love, you lose God's hope. And some of you don't have hope for your future because somewhere along the way, you stop believing in God's love. When you doubt God's word, you'll begin to doubt God's love. When you doubt God's love, you'll lose God's hope. And when you lose God's hope, you'll start living aimlessly without great faith. You'll miss the dream that God made you for. Joseph's brothers already heard Joseph say, I forgive you. They already heard him say, you did evil to me, but God used it for for good. They already had Joseph weep on their shoulders. They already saw Joseph provide for their families. But you know what the devil will do? Is the devil will try to get you to believe, because what you did in the past, God can no longer view you as a son. You can only be a slave. But I want to remind you today in Orange County that you on your worst day, when you turn to God, you're still family. You're still family. And God today can pardon you. He can pardon you of what you did last night, last summer, last year. Are you hearing me today? And if God could forgive you, God would give you the grace to forgive others. And if that would happen, I wonder what God could do with your future. Don't believe the word that, man, maybe he's going to hurt me the way that I would have hurt him. Jesus doesn't have ill will thoughts towards you. And here's what I know today. If we really want to love we must learn how to forgive if we want to learn how to love we got to learn how to forgive we got to always this is what i love uh frederick william robertson said this we win by tenderness but we conquer by forgiveness we win by tenderness but we conquer by forgiveness and what i know is this without forgiveness life is life is governed by an endless cycle of resentment and retaliation without forgiveness. Life is governed by a cycle of resentment and retaliation. The only people that God can forgive are those that know they need it. And that's some of your problem today. You don't know what Christmas is all about. I'm gonna talk about it Friday, Sunday. Next couple of weeks, we're talking about Christmas. But Christmas is the greatest story of forgiveness ever written. It's about God, instead of judging the world, sends a baby, his own son, into the world, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have what? God came to send a Savior to forgive the world of their sins. You can say it this way, Jesus died as you, treated God, Jesus Christ, as he would have treated you. So that God could treat you the way that he wanted to treat Jesus Christ. God today is rich in mercy, but we gotta acknowledge that God, wherever I fallen short, forgive me, and here's the second part. Help me to f- release. As I receive, help me to release and believe that you can forgive me, heal me. In Jesus' name, you believe it. Shout amen. Stand your feet. I'm out of time. Still family. Still family. I love the fact that the woman at the well, the tax collector in the tree, and the thief on the cross all did one thing right. They admitted guilt, and they pursued the mercy of the Lord. And I believe today in this church service that whether you're Zacchaeus in the tree, whether you're the woman, the the woman with a shady past, or whether you're a murderer, extortioner, thug on a cross, we know that all of them had God encounters with Jesus Christ, not because of their lifestyle resume, not because of the good decisions of their life, but because they were willing to pursue the one that had the power to forgive them. The thief said, Lord, I believe we belong here. So the other thief he did nothing wrong and he looked at Jesus and he said remember me when you enter into your kingdom and Jesus looked at a guy that never went to church never prayed any prayers never got water baptized never spoke in tongues never prayed for the sick never made disciples of all nations never any of the above and Jesus said because you were willing to turn to me in the final moments of your life today you will be with me in paradise translates Orange County in the, in, the, in the Greek. Close your eyes. Father, I pray right now. Right now. I feel like there's two categories of people here today. Those that need to receive forgiveness and there's those of us that need to just continue to give it. If you're here today and you've had a hard time forgiving yourself. I've made so many bad choices. I've, I've been a victim of my own stupidity. I think we could all raise our hands. But some of you today are heavy. You're like, man, I've made so many dumb choices that were not what God wanted me to do. And God, today, before I start a brand new year, I want to finish this year consciously going, God, would you please forgive me, a sinful man, a sinful woman? Today, you know you want to get right with God. Today, you're here and you're like, look, you love Jesus, but you're carrying a high level of guilt. I felt the heart of God saying, I'll forgive and as I forgive, I'll remove the memory of the pain that people inflicted or you inflicted to others. God will heal you and then heal others through that. And that's you, would you lift your hands today, so Mark, I need to receive God's forgiveness. I've been carrying shame. I've been carrying guilt. I thought like there's even a lady in here, you've gotten a, a couple abortions, well, a, abortion or two, uh, and I just feel like there's been shame with that. Some of you are carrying this guilt. Someone got an accident and actually hurt someone really bad, maybe even killed somebody. And I hear the Lord saying that I can, I, can help, I can help you forgive yourself. Some of you blew something up, marriage, family, and I just feel like the Lord today is going to help you forgive yourself. Just lift your hands today. Come on, you need this today. I don't care if you love Jesus your whole life. We all need, we all need to come boldly to the throne of grace sometimes, all the time. If your hands are up today, I want you to pray this prayer, Oceans Church. Say, Jesus, today. Come on, both hands up in the air. Say, Jesus, today. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for grieving you, hurting you, and doing, saying, acting, living in a way that dishonored you. Lord, forgive me and help me to receive your love. In Jesus' name. Now watch the second thing here. How many feel like there's some, there's someone that is you when you say the word forgiveness, they pop into my head. And here's what I know. Sometimes they pop into your head every day. And you say, no, devil, I forgive him. Jesus, I forgive him. And you might have to forgive him 30 times a day, one day, 28 times a day, the next day, 25 time days, the next day. And eventually it's three times, one time. Every time those painful relationships pop into my head, I go, "Go oh God, I bless them <laughs> and I forgive them. That's you today. All over the room, you say, Mark, there's someone that's hurt me, and I want to release. I want to lift the burden of vengeance off of their life, and I don't want to live to prove something. I want to live to please someone. That you. Would you put your hand up today? I just feel like there's someone I'm supposed to release. Holiday season, you might be spending Christmas with them. Maybe it's a sibling or an aunt or an uncle or a son or a daughter, grandchild, grandparents. Come on, hands up all over today. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord, today, make me a good forgiver. Help me to forgive quickly. Help me to forgive fully. And realize, as I bless my enemies, those that hurt me, you'll take care of me, and you'll take care of them. I release grudges, hatred, bitterness, animosity, What they meant for evil, you meant for good. Tell the story, Lord, through my life of rich forgiveness and rich redemption. In Jesus Christ's name, come on, you believe that. Say amen. Would you give a five-second hand clap real quick? I got to get out of here. I want to wrap up like we do every week. Two quick things. I just felt like this prophetically. You just raised your hand. Someone actually just got healed of some sort of chronic migraine. You've had a migraine that didn't leave. It's been there I think for probably like the last couple weeks, six weeks, seven weeks. And as you prayed that prayer and you, you let that person go, you could feel that headache go away. I believe anyone in this room physically that needs a touch from God, cholesterol, high blood pressure, enlarged heart. Are you hearing me today? If heart attacks run in your family, we're believing that today God heals. If you got a bad prognosis, if you need a touch from God today, physically, mentally, or spiritually, I want you to lift your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Not weird. It's awesome. Prayer's good. Lift your hands. Physical sickness, addiction, being broken, something that I need to touch from God. Hand up. Makes you honest, not weird. Honest, not weird. Hands up all over. If someone's hands up next you, just put your hand on their shoulder. We all need prayer sometimes. We're a family here at Oceans Church. As you put your hand on their shoulder, I want you to pray this, Oceans. Say, in Jesus Christ's name, you said, We would lay hands on the sick, on those in need, and you said the prayer of faith would save the sick, and you would raise them up. So in Jesus' name, raise up, be healed. We bind infirmity, and we release life in Jesus' name. Top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Receive now. In Jesus Christ's name, healing, deliverance, help in your time of need. If you've received that prayer, say amen. Awesome. Come on, last thing we do today, last thing we do today, and I'm going to quit, not in life, just the service, is, is if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, you already probably raised your hand, your heart's already been beaten out of your chest. You feel like I've been talking to you the whole time. I actually have been, but... I actually believe that God has been the one that's been speaking to you and right now you know that today's the day of salvation today's the day you're not going to waste another year living for you you're not going to waste another season living your own life without God you want to live for Jesus and with Jesus last week we saw 67 people give their lives to Jesus on Sunday that's not the youth service that we had another 15 or 20 that was just here And I believe many today, you say, Mark, I know about God, but I want to live for Him. Eyes closed, I'm out of time, heads bowed, I'll get you out right now. Mark, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to go all the way in with God. Would you raise your hand right now? I'm out of time. I'll give you three seconds to raise your hands. Lord, I pray everyone that's supposed to respond, let them respond right now. I'll give you three seconds. One, hands going up. Thank you. Two, all over the room. Thank you. More hands going up. Real high. Don't miss your moment. Many hands up. Three, put it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. I see three, four, five, six, seven, eight, real high, nine, real high, real high, 10, real high, 11, real high, 12. Anybody else? Anybody else? 12 hands, awesome. Last prayer of the day, Oceans Church. It's 13, awesome. Last prayer of the day, say, Jesus, I ask you to be the Lord, the leader of my life. Save, heal, redeem. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a love for your word. Get me involved in a small group. Plant me here. I want to grow into you all things, Jesus Christ, the leader of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, you prayed that prayer. Come on, say amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you want to make this your home church, go on Growth Tracks on our website and you'll actually text OC New Life to 94,000. And what I'd also say, and I'll get the, give it up here, is if you aren't in a small group, that's the best way. To grow in your faith. Oceans, come on, let's give God one more hand clap, grab a seat.